Okay. Um, Trip, Sam, Sarah, and Luke here uh, to talk about um, emotional manipulation. Um, this is something that I've been thinking about over the last like 10 days and I posted about it on the Discord and these are the other three people on the Discord that I would want to chat about it for a couple reasons and I'll, I'll say why. Sam, I think you and I are, are similar personalities in some ways. So I feel like, I feel like you're going to get what I'm doing um, and, and probably have like a mirror image of, of this tendency on your own. Um, Sarah and Luke are very different than me. Um, but I don't feel like they totally are, um, they don't totally not get me. And then also I feel like whenever they say something, it's usually helpful to me. Um, and I learn something. And so a lot of times when, a lot of times when someone's really different than me, they say something and I just totally don't get what they're talking about. And so, uh, I just ignore it. So anyway, um, this is, this is all about me guys. Um, and, uh. <laughs> Uh, and, and what I can learn. Um, so uh, to tee it up, I guess, let's, I feel like let's go around the table. When I say emotional manipulation, what does that mean to you? Like, what do you think of? How would you define that? Um, I'll start, I guess. Go for it. Um, you know, when we were coming into this conversation, I felt like I'd have a lot of things to say. And then when we were talking about what is emotional manipulation, I was trying to, I was trying to think of a good way to say it succinctly. And I don't know that there is. I mean, it's so <laughs> per our conversation this morning, Sam, I mean, I, I consider, I, I think probably the, one of the easiest way to say it would be uh, it's deception. It's lying in some way. And I think it's, it's, it's getting someone to do what you want them to do in a uh, less than honorable way, in a, in a less than virtuous way. It's playing off of uh, potentially, um, I don't know, however you want to cage it, potentially weaknesses or, or it could even be strengths, you know, um, someone who is very uh, empathetic and and is and is very compassionate and is always trying to see things from someone other someone else's perspective if one were so inclined you could you could take that virtue in the other person and you could manipulate it to get a desired result um, and so in some way I guess that's probably the most succinct way that I would talk about emotional manipulation is is playing with people's, I think playing is probably um, using, it, it's a transactional way to, I guess I would contrast it that way. It is not communing with someone else in an open and responsive and interactive, um, uh, mutually beneficial, synergistic dance it is it's using uh it's using tools psychological and emotional tools to get your perceived ends which is uh inherently condescending and i would say somewhat unloving that's why is that <laughs> succinct that's not succinct <laughs> 
that was pretty interesting. I'll try, I'll try next. Um, emotional manipulation. So, so it's like, it's easy to imagine what physical manipulation, right? Looks like, right? You're using violence or force or threats of violence or force to get what you want. Um, and, you know, that could be in a relationship, which, you know, is physical abuse or, you know, like when a policeman arrests someone, right, that's, you know, using the threat of violence or force to get what they want. And perhaps that is a just and healthy version. Don't mean to start a pacifism discussion. But in, so in a relationship, emotional manipulation is sort of like a more subtle form of something similar or akin to physical manipulation where you're you're not using the threat of physical pain or you're not using physical pain but you're using emotional vulnerabilities or pains or weaknesses to get what you want in a way that isn't fully treating the other person as human or their needs and their desires as equally important and valid as yours I guess, something like that. And it's easier or perhaps more common in a relationship because you learn the other person really well after being married to them for a long time. So you kind of know how to push their buttons in ways that someone who doesn't know them as well wouldn't know how to do. So I guess that's part of it. But like, you know, you could imagine like bullying right non-physical bullying is a form of emotional manipulation and you can imagine that in like you know a middle school setting or like peer pressure or those sorts of other things are i think there's sort of a family of behaviors that i can imagine that are sort of all related to emotional manipulation um and like cults like religious cults often use emotional manipulation to get what they want out of people too. And it's sort of like a spiritual emotional manipulation and particularly playing into spiritual emotions. Um, and like an authoritarian government, you know, kind of mixes physical and emotional manipulation. So, I, but we're specifically focusing on relationship stuff. So I think it's, it's a willingness to inflict a certain amount of harm on someone um but it's not like physical harm it's emotional harm uh to to get them to change their behavior in ways that are i don't know i guess are fundamentally selfish on a quick thing i just thought of so that was interesting sam because i always think of it like the way that i would probably try to emotionally manipulate people would be very would be in a positive way. Like I'd, I'd make you try to like me and be really winsome and playful and, and then get you to do what I want positively. But I mean, you could also do it really negatively. You could fear, you know, or name calling or bullying, which, which is just not my temperament at all. <laughs> but, but, you know, you could do that for sure. So. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that from my con from my perspective, I tend to see it as very passive aggressive because that's what I was exposed to just with my parents. Like my my mother has tendencies to be emotionally manipulative and she would 
she would admit this. <laughs> so I watched it play out in my parents' relationship. And I think, and I've picked up on a lot of that as well, which I don't like it when it happens, but it is a way to gain power over the relationship um, without taking responsibility for your own part in the conflict, I think a lot of times. Um, even as a teenager, my mother would tell me that I was good at this, which is not what she necessarily wants to be told. But she said we would get into, you know, a debate or an argument over something I obviously was in the wrong for doing. And she would come out of the whole situation feeling like she was the one to blame, just based on how I would twist words and bring up past, past flaws and issues um, so it's, yeah, it's very, it's very tricky and it's hard to pin down versus a physical manipulation for sure. Yeah. So for me, this is some, this is a, this is a term or like just a thing that I've never thought about before. Um, and so it's a, it's a struggle because I tend to not really think about my emotions all that much. Well, I think about them, but I don't think about them. Um, like I feel them, but I don't, you know, I don't really reflect on them very much. Um, only in so far as I don't want to feel the negative ones. And so, um, you know, what I was talking to my pastor. And so he was talking about how he thinks that guys especially have a problem with being vulnerable, right? Talking about things that scare them and, you know, ways that they've been hurt and that kind of stuff and talking about them in a way that it's not another person's to blame for it more like they feel this way it's an insecurity that they have and they're asking for help and so um that's that's an uncomfortableness right because you can ask for that and the other person might not respond right and so like there's a vulnerability there in not only in saying what you feel but then also in knowing that the other person may not actually um may not actually uh, help you. Um, and so instead, you can do one of two things. You can go one side of the pendulum and say, um, and just not talk about your feelings, right? Not that you won't act, but not that you won't take it out on the other person, like whenever you're feeling, you know, insecure or angry or whatever, um, but you may not talk about it because that means you're, you're vulnerable and you may need something. Uh, the other way that you can do it, and this is what he pointed out to me that I'm, I'm, I do, um, because uh you know my wife and i after our miscarriage you know we started going to to counseling um and like i refused to go to counseling for a long time um because i i didn't think we needed it and, and all this kind of stuff and so like i just didn't want to um it seemed like a form of weakness to me um to to feel like i needed to talk through things um and uh, I feel like, well, we can figure it out on our own. We don't need this. Um, and so I didn't. And so like I, I did that um, for a long time. And then after the, the miscarriage last August, um, it like it was clear that we did need it for sure. We needed to like we needed help. And so we did. And so, um, you know, then one of the things that came out of the counseling is my wife wants me to talk more about my emotions. Like, how do I feel like not just, you know, um, eh, about things. And I struggle with this because the kind of guys that I normally see talking about like, well, men need to learn how to talk about how they feel is not the kind of guy that I identify with or want to be like, like I find those guys kind of like cringy. 
a lot of times where I just, I, it's like, okay, if, if talking about my feelings means like being like this person, no, no, thank you. I'll, I'll, I'll pass on that. Um, and so it, that doesn't help. It, it makes me not want to, it makes me think that that's a weakness or, or something. And, um, so anyway, so, but I realized I need to, I realized Kay wanted me to. And so then I started, um, but, but what I did was I started emotionally manipulating her. I would selectively bring up how I feel in order to change what she's doing. So I didn't feel that way. Like I wasn't doing it for connection with her or to express vulnerability or anything else like that. That wasn't my primary motivation. Um, my primary motivation was to get her to stop doing the thing that was making me feel that way. So I was, I was using, I was weaponizing my own emotions in order to manipulate hers so that I could, I could like avoid the things that I didn't want to feel the insecurities that I have. Um, and I never realized this about myself. I never realized that I was really, um, I'm, I've probably been doing it a lot more than I realized that I was doing it. And I didn't really, I never really thought about it. Um, and so I wanted to have a conversation. That's why I want this. So that's what I mean by emotional manipulation is using your emotions as weapons to get the other person to change what they're doing. Um, and that can come in a lot of forms. It could come maybe in positive forms, um, which is not my, that's not my MO, right? My, my, my MO is not to like, you know, carrot. My mind is very much like the, this is how you're making me feel. Stop it. Um, and this is your fault. Um, so anyway, that's what I mean by it. I don't know. Uh, so Luke, you're laughing. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, I just, I, I, no, I appreciate all this because I'm almost, it's funny. I want, I wonder how I strike you because I'm almost the polar opposite. <laughs> like what you've described. <laughs> I'm, I could almost, I would be inclined to weaponize vulnerability because like I could, mm -hmm. I can out vulnerable anyone. Um, and then I can use that to be really, I th and I think because it's so uncommon that immediately being vulnerable is powerful and it immediately draws people into you. And like, I could, I could, if I were so inclined and I probably have used vulnerability to essentially woo people because it's, it's such an intimate thing. Mm -hmm. And then and it makes people really like you and trust you and almost um, it's almost like a mimetic admiration or something because you see someone doing this thing that's so uncommon that um, it can get, it can give you a dynamic of power over people almost. And so that's kind of why I was laughing, but it's a. Uh... Yeah. I don't have the people like me too much problem for sure. Um, but I have the opposite. <laughs> well, it just depends on what people are drawn to, you know, they're, um, it well, and then when you're, when you're vulnerable with someone and then you can draw that vulnerability out, then you have in essence that control over them too. Yeah. You have that piece of information that you can use later down the road to emotionally manipulate them. And I think that comes out, that can come out really strongly in a husband wife relationship. Um, it's very tempting when you get into an argument to say, well, what about this that you told me? Right. And, you know, wep again, weaponizing it. So I would, <clears throat> I'll, I'll, I'll share, I mean, I've maybe told you this, this is a pretty personal anecdote. And, um, and I think a lot, I mean, nobody that I know is going to watch this anyhow. So, 
Um, but, and I don't mind sharing this and my wife won't mind either, but it's a, um, I don't know who all I've shared this with, but the reason, so I have a weird relationship to emotional manipulation and, um, and levels of self-deception are almost endless. And so I'm really, I'm usually pretty, um, I'm almost militant against being emotionally manipulative because of all the stuff I was just telling you. So I know, I know how you can use it that way, <clears throat> but you can also be doing it in ways that you just don't see too, which is the danger. Um, so when I was, when my wife and I were dating in college, I mean, this isn't like, uh, um, I, well, I mean, the, the really frank way to say it is that I was essentially cheating on her throughout most of college, many, many different times. And, um, and in ways, it's such a, it's such an interesting thing to look back in, re in retrospect, because I was so, I was so um, immature is one way to think about it, but also just uh, self-deceived in a way that I was, um, I was emotionally manipulating her in many ways because I would share very, very unconsciously, I kind of portrayed two different images. Well, not even two different images. I portrayed a certain image to my girlfriend, um, you know, uh, now wife at the time that she, she essentially thought I was a kind of person that, um, with, I don't know what's interesting as I almost said, my wife thought I was the kind of person in college that I think to a large degree I am now, but I wasn't then like that person was there and had potential. And in a way, almost at the time, in a weird twisted kind of almost like how Jordan Peterson talks about when you lie, you, you split yourself and there's a splitting. I was almost, I was, it's almost like it was a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde thing. Like I had almost two personalities going and I was one with her. And so like I would go with her, we would do campus ministry. We would hang out. Uh, you know, I was this Christian guy. We, um, I was really into it. I knew this stuff intellectually. I kind of always, I came out of small town, South Dakota, and I had this split between knowing all these facts. And I mean, this probably explains a lot of where I am now, but I had all this information and knowledge about God and Jesus and knew way more than all my friends about God. But I was like, but I can also like get drunk and party three or four times a week. And not study and play PlayStation all day and be essentially a loser. But then I, but I could play in both of these worlds and I didn't see that as being almost literally duplicitous, you know? Uh, and so all that, all that, I don't know, that kind of worked out and I grew up and um, we got married and we moved. And I mean, it's a long story without going into all the detail of it, but it was, but it was very much, emotional manipulation and the crazy thing was is like it wasn't even it wasn't even conscious like I wasn't even trying to do it it wasn't even that level of manipulation but um but I know that I have that capacity and that it's probably why uh lying and deception is such a big deal to me especially self-deception because I don't I the crazy thing is and it seems stupid to almost say it but like I didn't even know I was doing it yeah you're like how no, can you I, not I, know you were doing it 
I, I completely agree. And this is the realization that I've had over the last like week is I'm doing this and I didn't, I had no idea that I was doing it. Um, yeah. And it kind of breaks my heart. Like, you know, we've been married 10 years, but like, you know, my wife has had to make a choice between someone who <clears throat> doesn't want to talk about his vulnerability, but will take it out on her um, if I'm feeling vulnerable, um, or, or being hurt. And then, um, on the other end, uh, you know, she has, it's between that or him only talking about the things in a way to make her change, um, to, to change her. And it's primarily about changing her and not about connecting with her or, you know, and I had no idea I was doing this. This is not something that I, this is not a concept that I had never I never thought about, but um, I realized that this is this is totally what I'm doing. Um, I'm not I'm not being vulnerable and asking for help and hoping. Um, when I am vulnerable, I'm I'm demanding um, something, um, and I'll I'll weaponize my knowledge. I'll weaponize anything I can to get that thing um, because I don't want to feel it. I don't want to feel the vulnerability. That's my problem. Is and so. I will, I will argue it. I will cite Bible verses. I'll do all kinds of shit um, to make her feel a certain way so that she stops making me feel a certain way. And that's my primary goal. That's what I want. I don't, I do not want, my goal's not even like, even if I'm not wrong, see, this is the part that's like, I'm, I'm, I'm really struggling with is that sometimes I'm, a lot of times I'm not wrong in feeling a certain way. Like a lot of times, like I have been hurt and it's not fair the way I'm being treated. And, um, when and so you that's say, where I, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, when you say feeling a certain way, is that typically just feeling, feeling what? Feeling hurt, feeling. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I have some insecurities like everyone else. Like I fear of being rejected, um, and, and various things. And so, uh, you know, and based on my wife's background, she makes me feel rejected a lot in ways that um, sometimes it's a sin on her part and sometimes it's not a sin on her part. Um, and it's just like an insecurity, like a deep insecurity that I have around some of these things. And so like, I feel it and I like want to demand that she stop doing that. And sometimes I'm right. Sometimes she is actually sinning against me in that moment. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes she's not, and sometimes it's a mix of the two, and it, this is where it becomes complicated for me. And I think Shelly brought this up in the Discord earlier that you know she talks about she talks about her time in Africa, for instance, um, and um, she feels like, okay, well, I'm telling you, I'm not trying to make you feel bad, but if you don't feel bad, then I kind of judge you for it, right? Um, and I think that's interesting because that's kind of like where I am also, even knowing that I'm being emotionally manipulative and I need to like deal with that sin. Um, I don't know where to draw the line, I guess. Like if I am being sinned against, am I supposed to pretend that I'm not and to not like, you know, look at the other person whenever they're sinning against me and they don't care that they're sinning against me as if that's not a bad thing and I'm not supposed to care about that and whatever. Like, I, I, don't, I don't know how to deal with that because it, I feel like I'm, I feel like, again, I'm being split, right? I don't want to lie. I don't want to like affirm something that I don't think is true. Um, but I also like, I don't want that to be the primary focus of talking about how I feel either. I don't think that's good. That's a very self, like, 
focused thing. Um, so anyway, that's what I'm struggling with right now is that like, I think I, I realize that I'm, I'm doing some awful shit. Um, and I don't, but at the same time, like, how do you hold both of these things in your head? Um, that's what I'm struggling with. Okay. Quick aside. And then I want to hear what Sam has to say, but I, this is why I'm really happy we're having this conversation. This is why I like psychology and talking about relationships so much, because I think this type of conversation, it will be more beneficial to us and anyone else who hears it than 50 of the top theological conversations we've had on the discord. Like this is, these are much more embodied and real and practical and it's not that they're unrelated to all those abstracted idea conversations but like this is where this is where <clears throat> christian practice and being like christ uh this is where you really get it in my experience like what does it mean what does it mean to be christian in your context that you're talking about right here and it's because it is a it's hard to walk that anyhow. Okay, sorry. Okay, I've been quiet for a little bit. Um, first off, just kind of reacting to what Tripp said. Um, I think that, that you're absolutely right that like a lot of emotional manipulation is taking advantage of someone's empathy and care for you and overplaying perhaps the things like over dramatizing some things that you feel such that you can get a slightly larger empathy reaction from them like you don't want to make me feel bad okay you're making me feel six out of ten bad i'm going to act like you're making me nine or ten out of bad to get you to stop more quickly but i'm sort of um i'm i'm manipulating you a little bit and taking advantage of the fact that you fundamentally care about me. Yeah. Or, or, or I'm acting. Yeah. Uh, just, I'll, I'll just a quick interrupt. I feel like also what I do is I, I act like the five out of 10 bad isn't my baseline, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's all a, because of you. This isn't like an insecurity that I'm bringing to the table in this relationship. This is something that you're bringing to the table and it's all your fault. So even if I am like at an eight out of 10, I'm not exaggerating. A lot of that is me. Um, and a lot of that is just like an insecurity that I'm bringing here and I'm laying it all on your shoulders and telling you to get rid of it for me. Right. So anyway, I didn't mean to interrupt, but like, that's, that's the other part of it. It's not just exaggerating it. It's, it's exaggerating their role in it too. Mm -hmm. um, and then I think another kind of family of emotionally manipulative behaviors that I'm sure Trip will relate to a lot. Or I won't say that. I'm not going to prejudge you. I'm sure I but will. Yeah. The, the invalidating someone else's feelings by claiming to have some sort of clear-headed high ground mm. or something like that. Like, you are overreacting. You are not seeing things clearly. You are acting emotionally. I'm acting calmly and rationally. Um, the facts don't care about your feelings and I know the facts and, and you're just feeling things. Uh, that sort of, it's not quite gaslighting. Like I, like gaslighting is where you try and undermine someone's epistemology by getting them to think. Right. That making the them feel crazy. Yeah. Making yeah. them try to feel crazy, which is different than 
Like that's not mm-hmm. what I, I'm trying to, I'm trying to get you to see clearly as clearly as I see things. Like that's, that's right. more my. Like, yeah, emotionlessly, clearly. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, totally. That's, but I, I am an emotionless robot. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, and so, so it's not quite gaslighting in terms of trying to get someone to doubt their understanding of the facts of the matter and basically undermine their self-assured epistemology or something like that. Mm-hmm. But it is sort of getting them to doubt their motivations or something like that, or doubt the, the genuineness or the validity of their feelings such that you don't need to take their concerns as seriously, perhaps. And I think this is probably something that more commonly husbands do to their wives and vice versa. Um, but, but, it, but it is a form of emotional manipulation to try and discount the validity and importance or relevance of someone else's feelings. Yeah, I've noticed I do that to my husband sometimes when he, when he does react to something and then I, I overreact to his overreaction. So it's like, oh my goodness, how could you respond that way? And it's, and it, you know, and it's like, I've reacted more strongly to lots of smaller things than you just reacted to this, whatever it was, but using that to make them feel insecure about how they reacted, about how he's reacted to something. And yeah, you're clearly out of line. Yeah, like, whoa. So therefore, we're going to put you outside the category of what yeah. we need to care about right now. And yeah, I get exactly. what I want because I'm level-headed. Yep, yep. <laughs> and that'll mess with your mind when someone does that to you. Yeah. I guess, so another thing that makes me, I, I'm just trying to think about why I, why I act the way I do and some of these things. And one of my frustrations is when I see, if I see someone who says that they care about something, right? So take like the love languages, someone who says that like, you know, I'm uh, I'm a physical affection person, um, but you never, they never give physical affection. They're just always like wanting it um, or say that they want it or whatever. Like I have a really strong reaction to that and I feel like I use it also as an excuse to invalidate what the person's feeling right so like I I, instead of trying to understand what's going on I just more like you're just a hypocrite um you don't really want like you say you want this but you don't really want it you don't act like you want it it'd be very strange if I said listen I really love holding hands but I never want to hold your hand um that would be very strange um and so I feel like I, I don't know to what degree that also like counts as emotional manipulation, but it, it is something that I do. And I don't, that's another thing that I'm, I'm struggling with is to what degree, again, I'm trying to figure out like, how do I walk these lines? Cause I'm not, so in some of these things, I'm like, I'm not totally wrong, but I also like so clearly unaware of my own emotional ma- manipulation. That's making me question like what else I, what else I really know and how, how right or wrong I am in, in all of these things. So I don't know if you guys have experienced something similar. Sometimes I feel like I'm being gaslit by the world um, whenever I look out at it. So I don't know. I'm having a hard time. So I have thoughts and questions about 
<clears throat> your situation trip, but I'm having a hard time even thinking. Uh, so like what I'm trying to think about right now is how do I emotionally manipulate? <laughs> and this is just, this is just the honest truth of where I am. I don't, I don't know. Like I don't, I can't think of any way that I emotionally manipulate, which is almost more terrifying to me because I'm sure I do. <laughs> um, and so I don't, I don't know what that means. I think, so in, I have a question for you, but then also I think one of the best ways for me to think about this is, and these are things that we talk about within like discord and bridges of meaning and Paul Vanderplay world. And it's a big Jordan Peterson thing, but I don't, um, there's a guy that I meet with locally here. We've started meeting up again. Uh, and something that we often talk about is that, um, no matter like even trip earlier when you were saying, like, I don't know if sometimes with your judgments of your wife, if she's sinning or if you're sinning and sometimes she is. And I've almost gotten to the point in my relationships or with my wife and I, this is where I try to be and it's hard. It's really hard to be is that you, I, I try to almost uh, not even do any of that assessment because it's somewhat irrelevant really. Um, because number one, no matter what, if they are sinning, what, I mean, what are you going to do about it? Like call them out on it. Like, what does that, what does that do? Like, it's just, all it is is an attempt to get the upper hand. Like, you're wrong here, so stop doing that, which doesn't, which doesn't work. Um, that, you know, no, <laughs> that doesn't help their repentance. And, and I actually don't, this is, so this is basically where I'm at. This is why I talk about, like, why I love Jordan Peterson so much and telling the truth thing and I think this is really hard to do. Like even in my relationships with my wife, I try to, even if she is maybe wrong about something, which I try to not even analyze, which is hard because that's where your mind instantly wants to go. I mean, you want to go to analyzing who's right and who's wrong in this situation. And then if I'm right, you stop doing it. But like that just doesn't, that just doesn't ever work. And so, um, I try to just completely stop that game and think like, what can I do in this situation to, to embody Christ in this situation? And I think that's what speaking the truth is and speaking the truth in love is that I think if you can get to that place where even if like, say my wife is sinning against me in some way, like if I, <clears throat> and I don't think my wife would mind me sharing this, but like she's, so she tends to be, more passive aggressive and um when we get into fights and she gets mad like that's the that's the go-to and and i don't know it'd be an interesting conversation to just be like i wonder what she's trying to accomplish in that because even because even with you trip what i'm what i'm thinking is like why why don't you want to be vulnerable like what are you afraid of what's going on what are you defending because any time, Dax Shepard talks about this all the time, which is good, when he gets in a fight with his wife in his podcast, and this is why I love Dax Shepard, he says he immediately knows, and he's learned this through AA, is that he's afraid. He's afraid of something. Anytime you become defensive, you're afraid. You're defending something. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's a really good thing to say, like, what are you afraid of? And so, like, with my wife, when she becomes angry and passive-aggressive and essentially is, like, lashing out in a passive-aggressive way, 
I don't know what she's afraid of there, but I think all, all that I can do in that situation, I think is not just, I don't think the game of you're being passive aggressive and that's wrong and you should stop. That's goes nowhere in my experience. <laughs> it never helps. Um, I think, I think the thing that you can do is if you can in humility and love say, please don't do that. I don't, like, I don't think that's a helpful thing and that's not a loving thing. And I really don't want you to do that with me. Like, if you can say that in a really non-aggressive, non-manipulative way, I think it can, I think it can move the relationship very slowly. Like, even if it's a degree in the right path and then over time that, that bears fruit, but it's, but it's slow growth and it's hard. And that's why relational family marital conflicts like this are, are the money of teaching you christianity i think <clears throat> i don't know well, any of that? I, Go ahead. yeah i was just gonna say some of the the main conflicts that my husband and i have had is just from being different and the insecurities that come from those differences having to interact in a in a family situation. Um, his family has certain values and those are ranked in different ways than say how I was raised. And so when those conflict, I would, both of us would get defensive about which thing we should value more. And then you can start to attack the other person's um, and then you start to feel insecure because, you know, you think, well, maybe I have these things off, but if you don't want to admit that and you don't want to talk through it, then the immediate reaction is just to attack their ranking of the values. And when we've been able to work through that, we've actually both grown a whole lot. But um, just to just to summarize that, I think differences turning into insecurities are what have caused a lot of the emotional manipulation in relationships that I've been in. Mm -hmm. I mean, th this is where, like, I'm thinking about it. It's it can be really hard to draw the line between emotional manipulation and otherwise healthier, constructive conflict resolution, mm -hmm. right? It's not like you don't get to care about your own emotions. It's not like if your spouse is doing something that bothers you, you don't get to bring that up or something like that, right? Like, you know, a marriage is always going to be this constant sort of interchange, compromise, negotiation with another person who's different than you. That's sort of part of the whole point. It's just like trying to draw lines around the bounds between you know the good version of dealing with that difference and, and bad ways of dealing with that difference and it's fuzzy right it can be it can be really fuzzy um this is what thing. frustrates me this is what frustrates me i want rules i want to know like no if i do it in this way it means i'm not being emotionally manipulative and i do it in this way it means that i am like i want something clearer and it frustrates the hell out of me that it's not that, the law does not bring about the righteousness that God requires, Trip. <laughs> oh, I know. Thank you. <laughs> it's more, so I've been thinking a lot about this. Brett Sockold, in a couple of his talks, has, and I don't know if this is an Aquinas thing. I think he said it was. He would make, you'd know, Trip. But he's talked about something that he tries to do. <clears throat> he, he said it explicitly. I've been wanting to re-listen to it and talk about it on discord or something in his talk with paul but he says there's 
within dialogue, and this is very much like a dialogos kind of a thing, it, he says like, no matter, no matter what the other person is saying in a conversation or in a debate or in a relationship, he says, if you believe that, they're, that they are really speaking some level of truth and, and some part of them is trying to get at the truth, like if you assume that no matter what, and obviously there's a spectrum there, there's people that are really healthy that are doing that in a clear and articulate way and not being manipulative. And then there are people who are really broken, sinful addicts, but it's kind of like that quote that's often attributed to Chesterton, but not necessarily, I don't even think he said it, but like everyone is seeking, uh, seeking God, even the one who knocks on the door of a brothel or the Blaise Pascal quote, like all men seek happiness. That's without exception. Even the man that hangs himself. If all people are really seeking truth and goodness, but it's just to varying degrees bent and off, if you can really, if you can focus as much as possible on that, even if it's just a flicker, even if it's just an ember, the truth that that other person is trying to communicate and whatever they want, even if it's coming out as aggression and fear and manipulation, like something about what they're doing, like this is what I try to do with Carl, honestly. Like Carl is, I mean, in a lot of ways, just kind of ridiculous. (laughs) Just like off, off the hinge. But, but I'm like, but what, but why he is like that is because he, because in his mind, he's such a staunch defender of truth. He loves the truth because he loves people and he doesn't want to see people manipulated by false ideologies that will lead to the lack of human flourishing. That's why he's doing it. Like, I think he's doing it in an extremely unhealthy way, but like, if I focus on that, that allows me to, I think, more so walk in the fruit of the spirit in, in relating to him in as much as I can. And that, and that kind of grace and mercy and love I think opens people up and, and it creates space. It's a feminine spirituality versus the narrowing, like you're wrong, you're an idiot, moron. You know, like that, like that does not open people up to to dialogos and love and like Trinitarian harmony and a bridge. So what are you afraid of, Trip? Can I ask you that? Uh, lots of things, um, but uh, I'm I'm afraid of I'm afraid of rejection. I think I'm afraid of like I'm afraid that I'm not good enough, that um, that I'm not worth loving, that I'll I'll be betrayed, I'll be left, I'll be abandoned. I'll, that's that's kind of my fear. Um, if they see so, you for the truth. Yeah, if, if they see if I don't earn it, right? Like it's very much like a, I gotta earn um, things, and so um, you know, I need I need to make a I need to I need to be like smart. I need to know things. I need to like earn a good living. I need to you know be present with the kids. I I need to do 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 all these things, and if I don't do them, then I'm not worth loving. And um, so any criticism just comes across as just like biting at that. Mm-hmm. Right, because what it's telling me is I'm not those things. My um, husband really struggles with that same thing, and I didn't know that for the longest time. Mm-hmm. He would deal with those feelings by criticizing me, 
And so that's all I saw. And that, well, actually something the Enneagram really helped me to, <laughs> to realize is that the, the self-critical voice inside of his head was 50 times stronger than what was actually coming out towards me. Mm-hmm. And that when I started to, to notice that that reaction towards me was actually a signal that he's dealing with this in his, in his own head towards himself, gave me a lot more empathy towards and, and not, not having to react so strongly to his criticisms of what I'm doing, because I'm realizing that it's not so personal. It's not just because of me. It's something that he's really having to work through. Yeah, no, it's definitely like an internal thing for me too. Like I, I'm, I'm on a, I'm on a six or a seven out of 10 in terms of feeling this way, like just kind of baseline, I think. And so like any kind of, any kind of criticism from someone close to me, and it's a weird thing that I'm, I'm trying to figure out, but um, I'm, I'm very disagreeable. Um, and people who I don't know or are not close to me, I don't really care what they think or criticisms and that kind of stuff. Like I, it just doesn't bother me um, very much. And so I always thought that that was, I always thought that this wasn't really a problem um, that I had. This wasn't really a weakness that I had or an insecurity. Um, but with my wife, I really have it. And with people that I'm close to, I really have it. And it's like, things bother me, like small criticisms and that kind of stuff bother me to a degree This it's, it's unreasonable, but what it says is that it's internal. It's me doing it. Um, or it's me like just, I'm just so raw and sensitive there um, that it makes, it makes any, like just a slight touch. It's so tender that I just like, like it hurts really bad. And so what I do then is I emotionally manipulate. Then I, I bring up how bad this hurts me in order to get her to stop doing it. Um, not to get her to understand where I'm coming from or to try to like enter into my vulnerability or to bridge connection or anything else like that. No, it's to demand an end to it. Um, so anyway, because like, I think I'm just afraid of being left. I think I'm afraid of being betrayed. I'm afraid that I'm not good enough. That's. I think a, a whole big complicated piece of this is, is healthy conflict resolution. And I, I feel like that is, I feel like that's like a majority of what it means to have a good marriage is to be able to develop the skill of healthy conflict, conflict resolution. Um, and it's, I don't think there's any like guidebook or handbook or set of rules, sorry, trip that like really any couple can follow like like a big thing that happened like when my wife had, and I had been married for like two years is we just suddenly realized we had an incredibly different definition of what it meant to properly apologize to someone, mm-hmm. right? And we're like, oh, you think a good apology is that? I think a good apology is this. <laughs> oh, why didn't we ever like you know that explains so much and we still don't have the same standard definition of apology that's a, a compromise in progress but um wait so i want to hover on that because that's a disagreement that my wife had had a few months ago um about the apology thing because i want we have different definitions of apology too and what I realized that my definition was coming from was I'm essentially wanting her to admit that she did something wrong 
um, say she's sorry, and the implicit the implicit promise is she'll never do that again, so I don't have to feel this way, right? <laughs> like that. That's that's why. Like, and I don't obviously I wasn't. That's a good to say healthy because, dose of remorse in there too. To really, yeah, yeah, I want remorse <laughs> because because then I believe I, I'm reassured that she's like that I won't feel this again. Right? I want you and to so say I, this. Don't. I will never, I'm sorry, I will never make you feel feelings again. <laughs> right, exactly. That's what I want. And, um, and so anyway, so she's like, why do you care so much whether or not, like, I, I'm saying I understand why you, you reacted that way and whatever and that kind of stuff. I was like, yeah, but you're not saying you're sorry, really, for it. And it's because, like, what I'm, what I'm wanting is her to, like, essentially, not in words, because if I ask this explicitly, I'd have to be aware of it. And that would be ridiculous to ask someone to promise to never do something again. But that's what I was wanting. And that's why I'm, I want that, like, I did something wrong, and I feel bad about it, apology, because then I have like, some reassurance that like, you know, I won't have to feel this way. That, that even helped me understand my own needs and requirements and an apology better at <laughs> the same trip. <laughs> well, I didn't, I didn't realize that until like, again, like I connected that argument with the emotional manipulation. I was like, oh, that's why the I'm sorry thing. Uh, that's why it matters so much to me. Like, that's what I'm asking. That's really what I'm asking for is to, is to not ever feel vulnerable again. Um, and that's why and that's I, want it, I want it in that way, because that's what that means to me. And that's what remorse is. Remorse is like something like the promise of uh, not needing to fear this happening again or something. Right. Like yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's the, that's the thing. But if I, here's the thing, obviously I would never say that because that's a ridiculous thing to, to say, like no one, but I'm, I'm, you know, go back to, you know, some of the things Luke talked about. I'm acting that out, like, as if, like, I believe that's what I'm doing, right? I would never say it because it'd be ridiculous, but that's what I'm believing. Um, Most of the things we that. really believe are pretty ridiculous if you said them out loud. Yeah. True. Um, so this has made me realize something that I do that's emotion. I don't know if it's emotionally manipulative, but it's, it's self-manipulative and maybe manipulative to my wife. So... In, in our relationship, when it comes to apologies, um, I don't, so my wife and I, we're kind of emotionally, we're almost the opposite of most male-female stereotypical relationships. So whenever, whenever you hear sermons or Paul or anyone say, guys are usually like this, emotionally, it's like, nope. I'm in every small group I've ever been, like it's me and all the wives and women relate <laughs> relationally and all the guys are over there relating and and Jen somewhat relationally can be more like that too. So it's kind of flipped. That's why I'm a housewife. Um, and, uh, but one of the things that I will do is because, um, because I'm, I don't know if it's because I'm a four on the Enneagram or like intimacy or vulnerability, how I, like that's easy for me. It's not that hard to be vulnerable or admit that I'm wrong uh, largely. I don't, I'm like I'm wrong all the time. Like I don't really care. I don't. I don't get a lot of my self identity about um, like thinking that I have some kind of like just you know un unpenetrable outer armor. Like that's not my strength at all. My strength is almost the opposite. So what I will do is often in fights and things is um, 
I'm much more prone to say I was wrong or what I did wrong or what I'm doing wrong or I got mad or I did this, whatever. So I will admit all my errors just very quickly and very easily. <clears throat> but then that gives me the moral high ground. Mm -hmm. Like I'm admitting all my errors. I'm saying all these things that I'm wrong. I'm wrong here. I'm wrong here. I'm wrong here. I'm wrong here. Where are you wrong? You're not admitting anywhere that you're wrong. So I do that too. Exactly. I'm, like I, I'm I will, moral high I ground. <laughs> Now, I will throw stuff out there. I will just be like, let me just lay it on the table, all the ways that I'm wrong. Mm -hmm. Do you have anything to say? Um, mm -hmm. And that's, and then it's like, then again, I'm, I'm not repenting for the sake of repenting or, or like, I, I'm not like really trying to own my own sin. I'm doing it so that she does something in response. And that's manipulative. Even if I kind of mean it, right? We're all duplicitous in some of these ways, right? There's always like a mixed motivation. It's not like I feel like I'm lying and I should repent for this after all. And she should repent for what she does after all. But why am I saying it? What is my primary motivation? Mm -hmm. um, and that's where like I'm, I want a rule, but I feel like it's not a rule in terms of me bringing up how I feel um, or my repentance or whatever. It's more like I have to really be cognizant of my motivations when I do it. And it's less, it's less what I say or how I feel than what my motivation is. Um, and then, but that worries me because I don't really, all, I mean, I don't know what my motivations are a lot, right? Like I right, wasn't, I wasn't a... aware, I wasn't aware that this was my motivation for asking for apology. I, I wasn't aware of all of these things. And so that really, scares me that like I, I could be, I could be continuing to do it, just fooling myself. Um, and I, like, I, I want like a test that I can apply to know whether or not I'm doing it. This is why, this is why these relationships are so great because like all of this, and I think this is something that we all know intuitively, there is no test and there is no modeling because your, your map, your left brain map of this situation of your wife and all, and all these situations of your spouse is incredibly insufficient because that person is infinitely complex. I'm infinitely complex. What is motivating me? I don't know, you know? And so trying to discern all, this is why, this is why our relate it's marriage is inherently the way that people act in a healthy relationship is inherently iconic. It has to be, or else it won't work. If you treat your spouse like an idol, like a static thing that then you can manipulate and use and model and get a rule and a formula, it won't work and they won't like it. Something I was thinking about, just going back to the apology thing. Um, I think a lot of times if we feel like, if I feel like my intentions were different than what was experienced, that I should not have to take responsibility for that. And that's not true. <laughs> um, it's still, and we've both had to have to have had to learn that a lot, that if you experienced this feeling based on my action, even if it was not my intention, um, I can still apologize for that, which is hard to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh man. That this, this is just a perennial conversation that my wife and I have about the importance of intention versus consequence and how, when is that relevant? When is that not relevant? Oh, that, 
that is a deep conversation. I don't even know where to start or finish with that. With that. Well, then you get into the whole apology, like, "Well, I'm sorry that you felt that way." Yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry you're so silly. Yeah. <laughs> I, I apologize That's for you being a you. ridiculous person. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep. Don't you think there's a way? There's a way, I think, to relate to someone where, because, well, what, the road to hell is paved with good intentions, right? So, like, your intentions, again, like, judging mine or judging theirs is somewhat irrelevant. Um, and then how someone reacts to that, like, it's not, a, it's not a right or wrong thing. Like, their feelings are legitimate, even if they're not 100% pure. So like, I think, I think you can, I think there is a way in which you can relate to someone where you have in as much as you see things clearly and understand pure intentions, they take that in a way, which is not at all the way that you intended and are offended. And that's a legitimate thing. Mm -hmm. But yet, but yet have that <clears throat> not be just like a, <clears throat> like a static black and white thing, but also like that's legitimate, this is legitimate, and they both need work. <laughs> you know, like it's not a, it's not just a simple judgment of like right or wrong. Like that's why I think the game of like, of the an analyzing who is right and who is wrong is, doesn't work. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a game of winners and losers, which I don't think can ever work in a healthy relationship. Yeah, I mean, I, I yeah, to bring it back to um, I, uh, yeah, to bring it back to the emotional measure, I agree, like the, the right and wrong, because also like, again, like analyzing intentions, you don't even know your own intentions, right? Much less the other person's intentions. And so like my, if you had asked me two weeks ago, what my intention is to bring up, you know, some of the things I've been bringing up, it would, I wouldn't have said, well, I'm trying to emotionally manipulate my wife to get her to do what I would say. But like today I would say, yeah, that's, that's at least a large part of what I'm doing. Right. Um, and that's awful. Um, so like analyzing intentions is not helpful um, either because you don't really, I mean, you can reflect maybe on your own intentions and, and try to understand them a little bit more and invite the other person right. to reflect on their own intentions and try to understand a little bit more, but you're never going to answer that. And also like to go to like a Calvinist term, like there's total depravity here and total depravity is not like, it, like people misunderstand the term a lot. They think that it's, it's all evil. Um, what it really means is that like everything about you is kind of tainted by some degree of evil. Um, and so you're, even when you're totally right in an argument and you've totally been sinned against, it's not as if like you're totally right and like your motivations are pure in bringing it up. And it's not as if the other person's intentions were totally bad whenever they did the thing that made you feel the way that you did. Um, so I agree, like focusing on right and wrong and, and intentions is, is kind of a fool's errand sometimes. Um, and it's not, it's not super helpful. Um, I don't know. It, but I do that. Like I just, that's just naturally where my brain goes. That's what I want to know. I want to know, am I right here or am I wrong? Right. And, uh, and you know, I don't know. Like it's just naturally like the rut that my brain goes into and it, it prevents 
I think a deeper connection. And what it does is it invites me to sometimes to take responsibility for things that are not to, to idolize my marriage and idolize my wife and take, and also take responsibility for things that, um, that maybe aren't mine to own, but then I start to get a little bit bitter and that just feeds into my motivation to be emotionally manipulative, right? Because then I, I'm taking it, I'm taking responsibility, I'm taking the full blame for something that's not totally my fault, but then it frustrates me that it's not getting better because it's not totally my fault and I can't fix everything anyway. Um, and so then it motivates me then to like, just bring the hammer down of my emotions on something to fix it. Um, and to make sure that I don't feel this way anymore. And so that's part of my motivation. It's like this, almost like this, and it's like God complex where I think I need to take responsibility for anything and understand everything about myself and my wife and whatever, and fix it all. And then when I can't, I get frustrated. And so now I'm just going to point out all the ways that she's hurting me so that she stops hurting me. Um, and it's just like this, this cycle and which then causes an argument, which then makes me take it responsibility for things that I shouldn't take responsibility for, which makes me then want to use my emotions again. And it's just like this negative cycle that I get into, um, that I didn't know that I was in. Um, and it's, it's easy, uh, you know, once, once it's pointed out to you, it's kind of like, how the hell did I not see that? Um, but, but yeah, I've been in it my whole life. I think. I, I, on <laughs> speaking of the gap between our, the intentions that we're aware of and intentions that we're not aware of. One thing that doesn't work well is using the hermeneutic of suspicion on your spouse mm. and trying to be like, you think you're doing this for this reason, but I know you better. I can see that you're actually doing it for this reason and exploiting that gap to yep. sort of undermine them or something like that. That doesn't really work very well. I don't have much of a point beyond that. No, that's true. I do that all the time. That's that's like that's probably my wife's biggest complaint about me is that I or one of them. <laughs> There's lots. <laughs> um but that I because I am really like I I love relationships and I think about them all the time and I analyze all these dynamics and things and is that is that I have this kind of smug superior analysis of like understanding the situation and like what she's doing and what's motivating her and all of that kind of stuff because it's which isn't a good <laughs> which isn't a good thing I was so I was it thinking this and I went, well, does it? no it doesn't <laughs> I was thinking this this morning on my run, and I think this is true, and I think it relates to this, and what you just said, Trip, is I, I was wondering, I think it relates to this, but it's a larger frame. I think a lot of what life is about is moving away from analyzing facts into recognizing patterns. Because, and I think that's almost like the analysis of who is right and who is wrong is like analyzing facts. Like, is it it's kind of like the Christian Sam Harris version is like, well, is that, is this on the right side of history? And are these all the correct facts? And is it scientifically variable, you know, verifiable? Like, were you wrong or was I right? Or were your motivations pure or were mine pure? Instead, I think it's better, especially in a, and not even in a self judgmental way, but realizing the only thing you can do is take the speck out of your own eye rather than trying to do it in your spouse is 
recognizing the patterns because that's very what you were just talking about that trip like I do this and I do this and then this happens I do that over and over and over and that's my, my fights with my wife too like a lot of times how they will end up will be like which is no different than my kids it's like the exact same thing it's just a more there's it's a bigger vocabulary with more uh I don't know layers of complication but it's you always do this you always do this well that's that's a pattern you always repeat these patterns and you always repeat these patterns but that's that's because we're spiritual creatures and patterns are spirits that just re it's the underlying thing that brings forth the reinstantiation through time that's what a pattern is you know um and i think when you start discerning those which is i think what i would argue is largely what we're talking about then you can so be then you can use your analysis to be like okay what is what is going on what's the idolatry why do i keep why do i keep instantiating this pattern what am i trying to do um i don't know yeah trip here's a rule don't ever say you always do x <laughs> that's wrong no, i learned i learned that pretty pretty early on the always and never are not good words <laughs> yeah Something that's been helpful for me, and I still don't do it very well, but it is very helpful when I stop and think about it, is most of the time when I get frustrated in relationships, it's because I'm being selfish. I want my own needs met. I want something to change because, you know, I don't want to feel the way I'm feeling. Uh, I'm insecure, et cetera, et cetera. And if I can intentionally shift my mindset to thinking about what, say in this instance, my spouse needs, um, and that's not easy to do when you're, <laughs> when you're hurt or when you're frustrated or whatnot, but um, trying to, <clears throat> just trying to change your perspective to an outward one versus an, an, an inward one is something that is always, is always helpful when I can make myself do it. <laughs> that's good yeah and that's why like i like what i want to i want my motivation whenever i bring up my concerns or or whatever to be i want the end result for us to be closer like to like i want the connection i want that to be the end result like whether or not like i um and that can't happen also if i'm putting something on the other person that they can't they can't really give me right um that like there's some insecurity insecurities that i have that are mine um and like the other person's not going to be able to take them away from me really like they can they can give me maybe a salve or something and reassure me that that's not how they think about me and that kind of stuff to try to encourage me but like it's gonna come back and if i keep blaming them for it never fully going away um then the end result is when i when i bring stuff up it won't be for the purposes of connection because i'm going to start blaming that person for having to bring it up right um and then it's their fault um, and so then they need to change. And so then I, I get back into the emotional manipulation thing again. And so that's what I want my motivation to be. It's a, it's a closer, you know, I, I want like a, the connection to get stronger as a result of me bringing up something that I care about or I'm concerned. Um, 
but it's so easy to like look at the other person and like bring it up and have an expectation of what they're going to do on the other end of it um, and not like judge them if they don't react the way that you wanted them to. Um, and so that's, that's the part that's hard for me. And so I didn't know if other people struggled with that, but I, I, I have a real hard try. Like I want to bring it up. I don't want to like not bring it up, but I want, I want to bring it up without the expectation or the demand on the other person. Um, or, okay, I'll, I'll say it differently. I don't want to do that. I want to want to do that. Um, and that's, that's what, that's kind of where I'm at, where I'm like, I don't, I know that there's a part of me that's going to like be really hurt and upset if the other person doesn't respond in some way to what I'm saying right now. Um, and I don't know. I, I mean, I, I'm sure I just need to sit in that um, and, and be comfortable in, in that. I mean, that's what Jesus did for us, right? Is, you know, um, he took on pain and rejection um, willingly. Um, and that's what I'm called to do too. Um, but it's, uh, it's really hard to do it and not get bitter um, and resentful. And, and then to try and emotionally manipulate the other person so that you don't feel that way, which will only make the problem worse, obviously. Well, and I think yeah. a lot of times we want people to be mind readers too. Like I want someone to know what I need. I want my husband to know what I need. I don't want him to talk, tell you. Then that's, you know. <laughs> which is really hard when we don't even really know what we need or want, oh, right? A hundred percent. That's me too. I'm just like... I wish you knew me intimately enough where like we didn't even need language. You don't know That's what I want. <laughs> yeah. And that's a lot of what I was wondering how much you, how much of this you guys think is just, cause this is a convicting thing for me, how much of it is just megalomania. Like I, I essentially want sometimes my wife to be me, but not me, you know, <laughs> like I want you to be, like, I want you to care, because that's a big thing for me as a highly emotional four. As it's like, that's my judgment on everyone all the time is like, no one cares as much as me. It's impossible. Like, I care more than everyone about everything all the time. Um, and so that's like my just judgment against everyone is, that's the reason I'm, that's, that's like my excuse for being crazy. It's like, I'm just like, it's because I care so much. That's why I'm crazy. Um, and, but, but then part of it, the, this is something I realized in talking with my local buddy here is that if my metric for how much you care and how much you love me is, is just, I mean, this is a subtle thing. It's just like acting like I would act in a situation. Well, then you've, you've set up the whole analysis to just be like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like my wife isn't me. She's not gonna act how I would act in a situation. And so of course. So you set up a pattern that's always going to fail, always lead to the same judgment, always lead to bitterness. Also, uh, like, would you actually would, I mean, would it, even if she did, would you be happy with that? No, I don't even like myself most of the time. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes. Right. Exactly. Well, and I think sometimes we can set, we can set our spouse or friend or whoever it is up for failure in that way to give us an excuse to see, see, he reacted that way, but really we, you know, made the situation um, where they had no choice or. Yeah. 
I think that's that's absolutely right, Sarah. I think that's another pattern of man emotional manipulation is like, I feel like this is a bad thing to do, but virtually all couples I know do this is you keep kind of like a running tally of who's been more wrong recently, right? Who's more in the doghouse than the other person at the current time. And that sort of means that the person less in the doghouse gets more of what they want or something like that. It's really hard not to do that. And then even worse than doing that is like setting up the other person to fail so that they're, they get more in the bad category than you are currently so that you can use that against them. Oh, yeah, that's, that's the thing. And often our setting up isn't even like a conscious thing. Like we're not even necessarily like, oh, I'm going to intentionally do this. It's more like just having an expectation that the other person can't meet. Um, like even if they wanted to and they weren't doing anything wrong, like if you have the expectation of the other person to, 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 to make you feel a certain way or to do something or whatever, um, that no one's ever going to be able to meet that because that's not, it's not actually an external thing. It's an internal one. You are setting them up for failure and then congratulating yourself for, uh, you know, kind of congratulating yourself for being so righteous um, where, right. you know, whereas your spouse is, is, you know, they're the ones that are the problem. Um, and yeah, so it, it's, that's an emotional manipulation. Again, that's like, I don't think most of this is like conscious for most people. I think maybe sociopaths do things like this. Um, but I don't think most people do it um, intentionally. I just think that they, they don't realize what they're doing. They're, they're setting up, um, they're setting up idols um, for themselves and, and their spouse um, and then shaking their fist at the idol whenever the, the idol can't, uh, can't be God for them. Right. That, so yeah, that reminds me, so love languages, right? So like my favorite love language is, um, words of affirmation, the, the one to receive. But the hard thing about that is, is like, it requires creativity, right? You can't just, yeah, you don't want to get repetitive. Yeah. Right. You can't just say, oh, Sam, good job tying your shoes today. That not held up all day. Right. Like, no, that doesn't count. It needs to be something creative. It needs to be something I haven't noticed before. And, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. It's, there's no formula on if you follow steps one, two, three, four, five, then you will have successfully made a good, um, you know, uh, positive affirmation of me today where my wife happens to be the sort of person who loves things that come in steps one through five that are, uh, you know, infallible and easy to follow and procedural and all that sort of thing. And that's, yeah, yeah, the setting up for failure. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's one of the, this is one of my complaints about my marriage is uh, that my wife is kind of a words of affirmation per person, but she doesn't really give words of affirmation so again i go hypocrite don't like whatever and but i think that what it is and so like the creativity and that kind of stuff is a big kind of complaint for her. i and i wonder and i like we're getting a little bit off topic but i wonder whether or not like the words of affirmation for people who really love that it's more it's less about the words it's more about the idea that the other person is thinking of them and paying attention to them and and that kind of stuff and so like if the words are repetitive you can do that without actually doing that and so the words like it seems to like that's something i'm trying to figure out why does it mean so much 
that it's new and unique and something that maybe they didn't see in themselves or something like that. And it's, I feel like it's more like you want to be paid attention to and feel like you're being thought about. Yeah. It requires, requires, yeah, like you said, paying attention and noticing because I, I need words of affirmation as well, but it's really hard to give me words of affirmation that really mean something to me, which is, terrible. (laughs) Well, it's discouraging to someone like me. Like I'm not that way. It's discouraging to someone like me if I'm trying to do that and then I do it and it just, it feels like it doesn't mean anything on the other side. So it's almost like I'm getting negative reinforcement. Like I don't even want to try it again. I don't want to try it again because like I tried to give you a compliment and it didn't like, not only did it not (laughs) land, like you're kind of mad about the poor like compliment that I gave you this is (laughs) yeah this is where I relate to the the stereotypical female energy this this so much because I'm the same way is it's it's not so much like I'm not so I'm not really so much a words of affirmation person I am a little bit I'm more I love gifts (laughs) but but I like gifts Gifts that aren't just it I like gifts too but if it's like just a generic gift Right, no, for sure. I, it's it's, it's the, same the same motivation. You want you yeah. be like, did they think about me? And yes, I, you have like, to be known. Kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. You have to be. You known. know what like, I, I want, want more than what I want. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Because then you know me, and it's an intimacy. Mm-hmm. It's an intimacy thing. So you're paying attention to me again in like an iconic way because I'm a dynamic person. Rather, you want a static transactional thing. You want to give me a word of affirmation so you can check it off your list. That's empty and meaningless to me. I don't want it. It's going to gross me out. It's probably better if you didn't have said anything. So that I feel the same way with gifts because I'm a gift person. And so this is my poor wife. It's the same thing. So it's like she can give me a gift, but like unless you gave me the kind of gift that says like you're really paying attention to me and know what I like and know what I care. And imagine how hard I am. Like thinking about food <laughs> ethics and like clothes ethics and things and my esoteric musical taste. How dare you? <laughs> right right no exactly i'll just be like and yeah i'm just i'm the worst so um but it's hard but but i think it all i think the connection is is that it all comes we want to be we want to be known and loved i think that's what it is i mean at its core and and for different people and that's the great thing is how the most helpful the enneagram sarah and i talk a lot about the enneagram the enneagram has been more helpful to me probably relationally than almost any other tool and I think it's because it shows just how different people are it's such a dynamic thing it shows how different they are but then also how similar they are it's just such a useful tool that it's helped me just realize so like my wife's a nine on the Enneagram I'm a four but it's it's really helped me realize like okay different things like I'm in the heart triad my wife is in the instinct triad she well, I won't go into it too in depth. <laughs> she, she doesn't like me overanalyzing again until getting my moral <laughs> high ground of knowing where everything is. But, um, but we're very different creatures. Uh, what we want and how that's, we both want to be known and loved, but then how that looks is very different. Very different. So if I just sent you a gift card on your birthday every year, that wouldn't do it for you? Yeah, if you sent me like an Outback Steakhouse gift card, that would probably just make me feel really loved. 
Okay. <laughs> I've never been to an yeah. Really? I, well, I'm, I'm saying that mainly because I don't like chains. Can you believe it? <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Anything else that we should talk about with emotional manipulation? Um, this is more like this is more just me like realizing something that I'd never known about myself and wanting to get feedback and perspective. This was helpful to me. Um, thank you guys for, for joining. Um, anything else? I feel like the one thing I was going to ask Trip is I feel like you're a fairly open and intentional guy. So like even this, con I imagine you having a conversation somewhat like this with your wife, uh, which even though you were maybe somewhat blind to a lot of this stuff before, I feel like she would be very encouraged by a, just a conversation like this. Yeah, I mean, we did have a conversation about it, um, you know, kind of right around the time that I messaged the Discord about it. So it's not, um, um, yeah, there's some things about, there's just some things like some background with my wife that, um, that makes, mm. um, that makes it, uh, I think it, it was appreciated and I think it did, um, it did make her feel better like she wasn't being like gaslit and and that kind of stuff like you know she like I think sometimes she feels kind of like she's being crazy and that kind of thing and so um and I didn't realize what I was doing and so it was a hard conversation like this, this kind of broke me to 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 know that I've been making her feel this way and I've been doing this to her for our basically our entire I mean we've been married 10 years um it was 10 years in in December um so yeah, it kind of like, I was kind of disgusted with myself. Um, I still am disgusted with myself and, and ashamed of it and kind of broken about it. Um, but uh, I think it did mean something to her. Obviously there's like a healing involved um, that needs to happen um, and not, and the, and the thing that scares me again, like this feeds into my, like my fear is that the, the healing and the forgiveness and, and a lot of this stuff is not, it's not totally up to me. Um, like I can be totally genuine. Um, and and really you know want to be different and to try and be cognizant of of these things but it's not totally up to me either and i again i can't make an idol out of her and our marriage and so i need to like kind of be vulnerable and like rest in that and that's that's a, a again like my my uh you know my desire is to tr is to be emotionally manipulative so i don't have to do that right um, and so like, even, even in me recognizing my emotional manipulation and repenting of it, um, my, my instinct is to be emotionally manipulative to, um, to make sure that I don't get, um, you know, kind of, you know, hurt or unfairly, you know, criticized or, or whatever, like that, that's my, um, that's, that's kind of like my, my MO and I have to like, I have to really fight it and really like reflect on what it is that I'm doing and saying before I say it um, and won't do it perfectly but that's we did have that conversation and you know it I mean it was it was hard obviously um, but I do think she appreciated it um, you I know well, those patterns is is huge and that yeah. we both can see them when they come back up yeah and you know one of the things that when I said it even and this just is so perfect like it's just like chef's kiss of like the sin that I was engaging in um is that whenever she said it 
she responded, okay, I feel like you're saying this so that you, so that I can, I say that I'm doing the same thing to you, which was 100% not my motivation in saying it. But I was like, yeah, I totally get why you would think that. I, I actually don't think, like, she has sin too. That's not one of them. I don't think that I'm being emotionally, I don't think that I'm being emotionally manipulated the same way um, that I was doing her. So that actually, I not only did I not want her to, even, I did not want her to say that. I don't even think that. Um, and, uh, and, but the fact that she thought that just reinforces just how much I was doing that to her and bringing up something mm -hmm. in order to get her to respond in a certain way. And it just reinforced just how like screwed up I was um, in this way without actually knowing it. And so, you know, this was helpful to me. I hope, I know a discord is a primarily a, a, a kind of a guy centric, um, you know, uh, and I think this is, there's a lot of guys like me on the personality scale on that discord. And so also, so to whatever extent, hopefully you can learn from how screwed up I am. Um, and then you can avoid people like Luke and Sarah um in different ways <laughs> and sam i think it's the same way he's just nicer <laughs> and quieter <laughs> um okay sam's this was all anything else sorry what was that sam's faultless yeah no <laughs> <Nope>. <laughs> um okay this is helpful everyone i will stop the recording now